You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 126. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. And as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here for the next 30 minutes or so. Let's discuss where our lives are going. One of the coolest things that I have noticed in just growing up and growing older is how much the way that I experience life has changed, how I think about life has changed, and and where I was then versus where I am now. And no, this isn't some episode where some old fuddy-duddy tells you how, in my day, it was like this. Certainly, there are those times where I look around and I'm like, wow, it is, man, I'll tell you what, a 10-year-old now is not having the same childhood that I had when I was 10 years old. And you have to imagine that, you know, pre-World War II, for the most part, life was pretty much the same. I mean, hell, let's go back. Let's go back to before World War I, when we were much more of a farming world and less of an industrialized world, how much of life was pretty much the same for everybody. People were really having the same lives. And now you industrial revolution comes in, all of a sudden there's a lot of automation and there's factories and the cities start to grow, uh, especially after World War, uh, sorry, Civil War, moving into the World War One, just a massive expansion of cities. And then you get all the way to, you know, World War Two which pulls us out of the Great Depression, and then you just see a humongous shift in the way society is. The way that we had built up this industrial military complex to help us with World War II, all of a sudden we had manufacturing that was way more advanced than it had been pre-World War II, and it needed something to do. So it just started to make stuff for us to buy. And because of the rapid changes that began to happen, uh, with production and with our uh, commercial, you know, the commerce society, we're just we've seen. Go back and look at the way people lived in 1950s versus now in 70 years. It is so dramatically different than how it would have been from 1770 to 1850. It is just a, just beyond compare the changes that we've gone through. And so think about what I experienced in the eighties versus what somebody today who's 10 years old has experienced in, in you know, the 2000 teens up till now versus what I experienced from, you know, 1986 to 96 when I went from 10 to 20, it, it is beyond, it's beyond measure. It's beyond nothing that we've ever experienced in human civilization before. And even for those of you who live around the world, majority of you are in countries that have seen massive changes over the last 50 years too. You may not frame it around World War II like a lot of the Western civilization does, but it's still a massive change because when we changed, that stuff began to move around the world as well. Now, why am I talking about all this? Because as you experience college and as you begin to 
um, have these new experiences in your life that your your brain is seeking to organize for you. The way that you look back at what happened to you as a child, the way that you look at things that are happening to you now, the way that you think about the future, and ultimately the way that you will see these things 10, 20, 30 years from now, it is a constant expansion of thought. It is a constant expansion of your consciousness. And because we've talked about in the past how every single second of your life, 2.3 million bits of data, if our brain was a gigantic computer for this metaphor, just picture it that way with me. Your brain's this gigantic computer. Every single second, 2.3 million bits of data are coming at it. The conscious mind, the desktop, can only handle 126 of those 2.3 million bits of data. And this information actually comes from um, the author of the book, The One, when he talks about the one thing that you should focus on. And it's like Michaela There's like 87 consonants and a ton of vowels. It's a tough name, which is why everybody who references this data just simply says the author of the book, the one. Now, what does all this matter for you today? Because every single second you're taking in a tremendous amount of information, but you're only able to process uh, 126 out of about 2.3 million bits. So a ton of this stuff goes into the unconscious mind which is why when we start to talk about shifting our perspective and changing our beliefs and, and, and experiencing something new, uh, we're not actually lying to ourselves. We're just choosing a different set of the data that slid into our unconscious mind. There's absolutely ways I teach people to do this for themselves through neuro-linguistic programming. If you've learned it in other ways on how to, to reestablish thoughts and, and see things a different way, it's built upon the structures that NLP outlined. Uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s. So as you begin to grow, and let's say you were in middle school, then you were in high school, then you were in college, the way that you look back on who you were in middle school, now that you're in college, it's going to change. The way that you look at the relationships that matter to you back then versus the way that they matter to you now, who your best friend was in elementary school, and maybe they're not even, you don't even know them anymore, let alone want to be friends with them, like things begin to change. This is a natural part of life. This is a natural organizational structure that you're just going to, it's going to happen. Now, there's a process that the brain utilizes in order to have you experience things the way they are now versus the way that they were then and, and for you to be able to shift it. And the reason I want to teach this to you today is because these frames that we create in our lives can drastically determine how well we get along with ourselves, how, long, how well we get along with others, uh, and the way that we see our lives. Because the way you see your life is just the way that you have filtered all the information that's come at you for your, your entire existence. It's not necessarily true. It's true based off your interpretation of your events, but it's not necessarily the reality of what just happened. No event that happens is ever pristine and pure when it gets into your mind because there's this series of filters and processes and we've discussed those in other episodes but a quick um, quick uh, summary your your brain has three processes it deletes it distorts and it generalizes and it does this with everything because 2.3 million bits of data is too much for your <clears throat> conscious mind excuse me to begin to organize so it deletes and it distorts and it generalizes so that it can take 2.3 million and it can give you 126 bits it thinks you need in that moment in order to maintain survival your mind is all about keeping you alive 
I know we want to think it's because we want to have a great life and, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Honestly, the mind doesn't give a damn about liberty or the pursuit of happiness. It cares about life. And that's always what it's going to care about. So it gives you the information it thinks you need in order to survive. So what about all the rest of it? And and how is this episode going to help you start to reshape the way that you've been experiencing your life up to now? I don't know if it will necessarily give you a ton of information on how to experience things uh, in the past, in the present, in the future. I don't know what it's going to have as far as how you're going to begin to um, apply this information. But I know that now, by the time we're done with this episode and you fully understand how your brain uses framing, it's going to at least calm you down. It's going to give you answers as far as how is it that you have been shaping what you believe is your life versus how is it that it's going to change? Because you're going to notice that the older you get, the more you start to um, experience life differently. And what you thought was one way, how you framed it when you were 18 versus how you frame it at 28 is going to be the same. And you might even think, well, I was wrong in the way that I saw it back then because now I see it clearly. Well, all that's happened is that you've experienced more of life, and now you've changed the frame in which you are thinking about this one particular thing. Like, I used to love video games. I thought I'd want to play video games the rest of my life. And now here I am at 45. I really stopped playing video games the moment I graduated college and left Gainesville. And that would have been in 2007, in September. That was the last time I owned uh, any kind of gaming device. That was the last time I ever really played I mean, literally, if I have 20 hours of gaming under my belt since 2007, that would probably be a stretch. I've played it at a couple friends' houses whenever their kids have wanted to play. But other than that, if people are playing video games, I might watch them for a little bit, but I get bored of that pretty quick. I used to think video games would be something I'd have in my life forever. And now my framing around it is that they're a waste of time, that there's better uses of my time. Put out a podcast, write a speech, build my business, whatever it is. To me, there's just other ways of using my time. I've changed the frame. I reframed video games says to be instead of something I utilized to relax, now I see video games as a waste of time. Now, if you're out there and you love gaming, I ain't judging you. You do you. Do you. Everybody has their own thing. For me, I have a different way of relaxing now. Right? I'll listen to music. I'll read some cool books. I'll go for a walk. It's just, it's different. It's going to be different for you at some point. If all of a sudden you got pissed off at me because I told you I no longer game because I think it's a waste of time, I want you to write down this this feeling you have around what I just said around gaming and then check back in 10 years and see if you're still into it as much as you are now. You might be, you might not be, I don't know, not for me to decide. Just understand the way you frame video games, the way you frame drinking, the way you frame hanging out with all your friends seven days a week is going to be wildly different when you move out uh, of college, you get a job, you get a mortgage, you get a spouse, you get some kids. I can assure you the frame that you will have around your life and what's important to you then will not be the same as it is now. It can't be. It will have to grow because your life will expand. So let's discuss framing in a way that I think will absolutely benefit you now so that you can really begin to utilize just understanding why this is happening in your in your mind. And there's four kinds of frames. There's the pre-frame, there's the frame, there's the reframe, and there's the D-frame. 
Now, pre-framing is what I did at the beginning of this episode. It's what I do at the beginning of every episode. When I start to explain or or pre-talk about something, where I give you an idea of like, this is what you can expect. This is what might happen. This is a potential. This is not a potential, right? It's just me pre-framing a conversation, right? One of my favorite stories about this is when Michael Jordan, who I will consider to be the best basketball player, at least shooting guard of all time until I die, when he was getting pushed around by the Detroit Pistons in the late 80s, he went to a trainer and said, I need to put on some muscle. And the trainer told him, we're going to put on muscle. But at the same time, this muscle is going to change your shot. And once we're done putting on 20, 30 pounds of muscle on this frame of yours, you're going to have to relearn your shot. So Michael Jordan goes off, puts on his 20, 30 pounds of muscle. It changes his shot. And whenever he turns to his trainer and says, what the hell happened to my shot? The trainer says, remember, at the beginning of this, I told you muscle was going to change the way that your body moved. You were going to have to relearn your shot. And Michael Jordan was able to calm down and realize, okay, this is part of the process. And he, was, he went on to not only relearn his shot and make it even better than it had been before, he went on to win six championships. When you sit down, so that's one of my favorite stories about pre-framing. When you sit down with someone, you know, let's say a loved one in the family to talk about some difficult situation, you might sit down and say, hey, I want to talk to you about something. It's going to be really tough. It's gonna, I'm going to be pretty emotional. It's going to, you know, there's a lot we need to cover. There's a lot of things I want to discuss and figure out by the time this conversation's over. That's a pre-frame. You could just as easily frame the same conversation by saying, hey, I've got a lot of really awesome stuff I want to talk to you about. It's going to be fun. There's going to be some emotions. It, it, it's, we're, by the time it's all said and done, we're going to have massive clarity around how you and I are going to inter- interact with each other, and we're going to be a lot more loving. Right? That's the same thing. You're pre-framing a really tough conversation you're getting ready to have with your partner, or your friend, or your family member, but it's but you're choosing to pre-frame it as this is going to be a tough conversation. It's going to be lots of emotions. We're probably going to be angry with each other. Hopefully, at the end of it, everything is cool. Versus, hey, this is going to be a really amazing conversation. We're going to have we're going to discuss things extremely deeply, and there's going to be a lot of awesome emotions that we get to uh, share between one another. When this is done, we're going to be bonded like we've never been bonded before. Same conversations getting ready to happen. Different pre-frames were used. So how are you pre-framing things in your life? Are you pre-framing them optimistically or pessimistically? Are you pre-framing them with positive toward language? We're moving toward this place of unity and bonding. Are you using away from language? Oh boy, this is going to be really tough. And we're going to try to get away from being angry with each other all the time by having this conversation. You already pre-frame all the time. Now you just understand that it is, it is a rational way for your brain to begin to organize the way things are going. It's just letting you know what to expect or what not to expect. Your teachers are doing it to you all the time. Hey, it's going to be a tough semester. There's going to be a lot of tough material in this book. There's going to be a lot of studying. There's going to be a lot of papers. You're probably going to hate it. But trust me, when you push through it, you get to the end of the semester, it's going to be well worth it. That's one way to preframe it. Another way to preframe it, would be say, hey, this is going to be one doozy of a semester. You're going to learn some really awesome stuff. You're going to, to really sink your teeth into writing some long papers that will provide you with the talent to make and produce long papers throughout your entire life. You're going to absolutely benefit from all of this in-depth studying because you're going to walk away from this class with 
massive, massive new resources around your chosen profession. By the time it's all said and done, there is not a thing you're going to think you cannot accomplish because of the amount of work you put into this class and the grade that you'll absolutely earn. All right, that's a preframe positive. The first one was a preframe to the negative. So understand how your preframing is really going to choose how you are interpreting the circumstances, the events that are happening in front of you. And this is, so now let's go to frame. When we think about a frame, it's how we see something. So if the professor tells you it's going to be one hell of a doozy of a class and you're going to love it because you're going to learn so much, you're going to absolutely be more advanced by the end of the semester, the frame you have is, yeah, there's going to be a lot of work, but man, am I going to be prepared for my job when I'm done with this class? Versus the frame on the negative end, on the pessimistic end, where it's like, this is going to be a tough class. It's going to be really difficult. You may or may not pass. You're going to hate these papers. You're going to hate these tests. But by the time it's all said and done, you're going to have the information you need to succeed. They're, they're both frames, but it's how are you interpreting what is happening? How are you choosing to see it? Frames are these shortcuts that we use to make sense of complex information. Complex information is the world you live in. It, not if, but because 2.3 million bits of data come at you every single second, you get to choose how you experience anything. And there's a ton of data to choose from. You could be walking in the park and it could be a cloudy day and you just get affixed on the clouds versus you're walking in the park and yes, there are clouds, but because there are clouds, the birds aren't as hot and now the birds or the trees are filled with birds that normally wouldn't be there if the sun was beating down on them, right? It's all about the way you choose to frame your 2.3 million bits of data that ultimately will decide which 126 bits your conscious mind holds on to, right? You have a really heart-wrenching conversation with someone you love and, you know, at the end of it, you're, you're bonded and you're happy and you're loving, Right? Or you walk away from it thinking, I can't even believe we had that disagreement. That was the dumbest argument I've ever had. And you know that person's an idiot. That's the frame you're choosing to see it. It's the way you are choosing. And I'm using this word extremely importantly because you are choosing everything. You are choosing how you feel. You are choosing what you think. You are choosing what you uh, spiral on. You are choosing what you remember. You are choosing all of these things. These frames help us understand and interpret the world around us. It ex and ultimately, it helps us explain the world to others. These the, the morals, ethics, values, beliefs, these are your frames that you're using to explain yourself to others. And hell, in many circumstances, all of circumstances, you're, you're utilizing these frames, these morals, ethics, values, beliefs, and a myriad of other ones to help frame yourself to you, right? It becomes your identity. And this identity becomes this gigantic frame you have of, I am hardworking. So anytime you take on a new activity, you are more prone to work hard at it because part of your identity, the way you frame yourself to yourself is that you're hardworking. You go to a job interview and you tell them, yes, I'm really flexible in my thinking. I'm hardworking. I stay after hours and I bust my ass until the project's done. Then when a moment shows up in work where you need to be flexible, you need to bust your ass and stay after until the job is done because you framed yourself that way to the employer, that's the picture of them that you want to live up to, then that's the way you behave. 
Framing helps us organize our world into these explainable and understandable categories. Hell, even the way that I'm discussing this episode is all framed. I'm giving you examples that I believe will, will connect the dots and be a bridge. My belief system is if I give enough examples, you'll see yourself in one of these. For those who are extremely creative and imaginative in your minds, the moment I mention framing and how, uh, how you, the way you see things is the way that they're experienced, and that's what's called a frame, you're already picturing picture frames on your wall. You're, you're, you're already visualizing this. And that's really where this whole term, at least in my mind, that's how I frame it all when I discuss framing. You look at a picture on a wall and it's how do you interpret what you see? It's you standing in front of a Ferris wheel on the ocean. From that, from that picture, from that frame that you're looking at, what can you interpret from that? Well, you were at the ocean. You were by a Ferris wheel. Where do you know is an ocean and a Ferris wheel? I know there's one up in New Jersey. I know there's one on Santa Monica Pier. There's probably one in Miami or Tampa somewhere, right? Maybe there, maybe even the London. I think they call it the London Eye or the London O. I know there's one in Singapore called the Flyer. It's right by the ocean. So you could be standing in front of uh, on sand with the Ferris wheel behind you. Where have you been in your life where you have been on sand in the Ferris wheel? So you look at this picture and a lot of information is gleaned from it that somebody else who's just a casual observer who walks by won't know because they didn't experience it. So when you go to explain the way you um, think about a subject, it could be sports or politics, you're, you're explaining it to these people based off of your interpretations of the reality that you believe you've experienced around you. 2.3 million bits of data, 126 go to the conscious mind. It filters it through delete, distort, generalize. And there's also other filters, time, personality, environment, mood, attitude, memories, experiences. All of this creates a frame of your life in your head, of, of certain experiences, of these circumstances you've had in life. So the frame is literally what picture you have when when I tell when I were to say think back to your fifth birthday that picture you have in your mind right now that's the frame what you're choosing to highlight is based on your filters and processes that your brain has utilized for years and have been programmed into you by yourself or by others and you've habituated so if you like cake then you will remember the cake and you might like cake you might love cake all because of that fifth birthday, you got the best cake of all time. And now you love birthdays because you love delicious cakes. But you only remember cakes the way that you remember them because of that birthday. Did you realize that? Did you, did you even ever go back in your mind and, and ask yourself, why is it you love cakes? You hate riding a bicycle. Go back to the first time you ever rode a bicycle. Like Go back to the first time you ever crashed a bicycle. Was it so bad? Was it so scary that you said you would never ride a bicycle again? You can't ride a bicycle. You're just a human who will never learn how to ride a bicycle. That's the frame around that experience you're choosing to see. If instead you chose to see that experience, right? And this is where we go into the reframe idea of it. If you choose to experience that bicycle accident to show you that you're resilient, you're strong, you're powerful, that you can get up when you're knocked down, then in the future, right, whenever you get knocked down, you'll be like, huh, well, this can't keep me down. I once wrecked my bicycle and broke my arm and I had no problem getting up from that. So you pre-frame a conversation based on what might happen, 
or the potentiality of it happening, the possibility of happening or not happening. The frame is how you're experiencing things right now. And what I was discussing at the beginning of this episode is the reframe. You will reframe the way that you've experienced yourself at 12 and 22 and 32 and 42 and so on and so forth. This will be happening throughout your entire life. The way you framed sitting around your apartment and getting stoned and drunk with your buddies on a Wednesday morning instead of going to class, you see it as fun now. And then in five or 10 years, when you've got a really good job, you look back and you're like, man, I was an idiot. I just sat around just getting drunk all the time. That was a waste. Maybe you don't you don't have a great job in five or 10 years. And then you look back at that and you really think that you wasted your time. Man, I should have studied harder. Look at the crap job I have now. I went to college. This is not how it was supposed to turn out. You've reframed how you experience sitting around with your friends getting wasted in the middle of the week because it didn't pan out for you. You might also end up with a great job and look back and be like, man, I'm so glad I had fun back then because now I'm in my, you know, now I won't have a midlife crisis because I partied so hard in my 20s. Great reframe. When you were 20, you were just having fun. When you're 35 and you look back at the fun you had in your 20s, you reframe it as, I got that out of my system. So now I'm happy with my mortgage and my job and my kids and my spouse. Reframing is going to happen all the time. It it will happen 50 times a day. You can choose to reframe a, a car cutting you off on the road. I use this example a lot because there's so much you can take from that experience. First of all, I could pre-frame driving. There's going to be some times where people are going to act really erratically in front of you, and you have to be prepared for that. You have to be able to anticipate what a car might do. That might seem like infinite options, but at some point when you drive enough, you're going to realize that if you pay attention to, the, to a car's uh, wheels as you get ready to pass them, you'll notice if they start to shift, and it'll let you know where their car is going. Watch the bumper instead of the back windshield because the bumper is the first thing you'll hit, not the windshield. So when you're turning or getting close to other cars, don't nec- don't look at their windshield, look at their bumper. Right? That's me pre-framing. Right? The way that you frame driving, it could be a, a blast because you've always enjoyed it or you might enjoy country driving, but you don't enjoy city driving. That's the frame you have around the behavior and the experience of driving. Somebody does act erratically, which I pre-framed and warned you about, right? Now, all of a sudden, they cut you off. The frame you have around that is that person just endangered my life. They disrespected me. I'm going to honk at them. Hell, I might even chase them down and yell at them and curse at them at the light. That's one way you could frame it. Or you could frame it that clearly something is happening in that person's life that is so out there for them that they feel the need to risk their own life in order to get somewhere faster, right? Why would they do that? Are they running late? Is their kid sick? Are they, is their boss threatening to fire them because they woke up hungover and late? No idea. No idea. But you could frame it as they're erratic and irresponsible, or you could frame it as in something really um, important, an emergency is happening in their life. I hope they get there safely. Right? It's two different ways of seeing it. One causes animosity and anger. The other one causes uh, and, and brings about empathy and compassion. You know, it's all refrain. You could experience it and want to get angry. Maybe even be like, ah, right? And then immediately reframe it as in something must be going on in their life. I hope they get there safely. And you just wish them well, wave them on. It's a reframe. You're choosing to experience it differently because how you were experiencing it 
to you no longer seems like the way that you want to experience it. Think about a picture of somebody that you care deeply about. And you find out that in that picture, when you were taking it, it was a you know, heartfelt moment in front of the same Ferris wheel. Then later on, you find out that they were really sick during that picture and that they barely could even stand up and they barely could even walk, but they somehow managed to come to the beach and be with you that day because they knew it was important to you. They knew that that moment would be important to them. So they dragged themselves out of bed and they made it there. Right before you thought it was a heartfelt moment. Then you find out that they weren't doing well, and now all of a sudden it's reframed to now it's even more powerful. It's even more impactful. Or maybe you feel guilty because you made such a big deal about the Ferris wheel and you didn't realize this person was dragging themselves out of bed. You can choose to see it either way, but either but either process of choosing it to see it differently is a reframe. Reframing will happen all the time. Me and one of my peers, who I just absolutely love talking NLP with, she recently shared something that I think we both have discussed before on our shows, that you want to have strongly, strong opinions loosely held. Strong opinions loosely held. What that means is you want to have strong opinions. You want to have strong beliefs. You want to have strong thoughts around subjects. But you want to hold them loose enough, not with a death grip, like, no, this is how to think. This is what that means, and this is what that means. And if you try to tell me any other way, by God, I will bring rage down upon you. That is a strong opinion, tightly held. (laughs) A strong opinion, loosely held, is one where you can feel strongly about something. You can feel strongly about certain political issues. You can feel strongly about certain social justice issues. You you can feel strongly about your football team's adequacy over another football team's adequacy. But you don't hold on to it so tightly that there's not room to learn new things. That there's not room for other people's opinions to at least be heard. You see this on television. You see this when people talk about politics. Hell, you see it at sports bars. And people will argue, excuse me, to to red in the face for why their opinion, why their thought process is more true than yours. Both are true because you've experienced you you're both experiencing your own reality. So to you it's true. Do you want to be right or do you want to connect? Write that down if you're taking notes. Do you want to be right or do you want to connect? Strongly strong opinions loosely held. Write that down too. Do you want to be right or do you want to connect? Strong opinions loosely held. You can reframe things and understand that somebody somebody born in the inner city or in a mega city or a metropolis isn't going to have experienced life the same way you did if you grew up on 4,000 acre farm in the middle of nowheresville. You're just not. There is no, there is zero chance that even if you stood shoulder to shoulder with that same person, either in the metropolis or the or the isolated farm, that you two would have experienced those two places the same your whole life. I'm talking about like one of those Siamese twins connected at the hip kind of things. You two would never have experienced the city or the farm the same way. And this goes with every other location you can think of. You would never have experienced it the same way because your brain has different ways of organizing the information. It has different ways of experiencing the world around it based on the five senses. No two humans will ever experience two, two events the same way. Let alone if you're on an isolated farm and somebody else is in a metropolis. 
not going to happen. So you can have strong opinions about why life on the farm is better or why life on the farm was worse. And they can have opinions on why they think that the metropolis was better or worse, on why their belief system on what's important to them Right? They might have uh, opinions about why social programs are good or bad. You're going to have opinions on why social programs are good or bad based on the experiences you've had. But it doesn't make either of you wrong. That's a reframe. When you get to college, really that entire experience that you're, ex- that you're having right now is all about reframes. Each semester is a chance to learn something new. You have a frame around your major, you learn more about it, all of a sudden it gets reframed and you're not into it anymore. You want to change it. It doesn't mean that you were wrong then. You gathered new information and you reframed the way that you think it's going to help you. I'm going to tell you right now, a fine arts degree or you know a Italian, uh, Italian Renaissance art degree isn't going to set you up for success in the professional world. A computer science degree, absolutely. But if your frame is that computer science degrees suck and Italian Renaissance art degrees are awesome, no matter how much I talk about the computer science degree and how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars you can make with that profession, rather than being someone who knows a lot about Italian Renaissance art but can only get a job at an Italian Renaissance art studio in Paris, right? Sorry, not Paris. Let's go with Rome. You ain't going to get many gigs. You're going to end up being like a, uh, doing something in human resources or social work or, you know, I have no idea what job that you would get. But if you're, if you're holding so tightly onto the frame that Italian art means that so much to you, you've got to get a degree in it. You're not going to hear me when I say it's not a good career move. You can have it as a hobby. You can have it as a minor. You can still study the hell out of it without actually taking a degree in it. But if you're holding on to the frame that college means nothing if you don't graduate with a degree in something that you're super excited in, then you can always reframe computer science and think, how could I build an Italian Renaissance art website so other people can love this amazing art the way that I do? So I need to learn how to be a computer science person, how I can make websites, how I can build an e-commerce site so I could actually sell recreations of Italian Renaissance art. Now you've reframed your preferred major with the one I'm telling you is going to make you ask ton of money, and then you bring them together, and now you've actually reframed. Now all of a sudden you could double major. But if you're so, so death grip holding on to the idea that Italian Renaissance art is the only major for you, and you're holding on to that opinion so strongly that no other thought can get in there, you're not providing yourself with the leeway to reframe. Preframing is what you do when you when you let people know what might could possibly happen or what might not could possibly happen. Frame is how you're experiencing your life right now. Well, how you think you're experiencing it is just the reality your mind has created for you. But it's never going to be the same as somebody else's. Even here comes the Super Bowl. Even if two different Cincinnati Bengal fans are watching the same game, and their team wins, they're not going to experience that game the same way. They're going to have different memories of watching the Bengals as a child and different reasons for why they care so much about this team. But they're, So they're, they're, they're going to both have the frame of the Bengals won the Super Bowl, but what's inside that picture? What's the background of, the, of their sand and Ferris wheel picture is going to be completely different. 
the memories they have associated with the Cincinnati Bengals or the Los Angeles Rams is going to be completely different than the next person. That's their frame. If they watching the game, they think, wow, this is amazing. I'm so happy. And then all of a sudden at the end of it, they learned that their best player was playing with a broken leg, but tough through it. Now, all of a sudden, you know, him only getting four catches for 40 yards instead of it being, wow, I can't believe he didn't show up for the Super Bowl. It's reframed to, wow, I can't believe he was out there on the field for this Super Bowl playing on a broken leg the whole time. That's reframing. Your life is built around a series of reframes. You will think you, you, you will experience it one way, and then you have constantly are given the choice of experiencing it a different way. What are you going to do with your reframes? How are you going to interpret them? How are you going to be gentle on yourself when how you thought you wanted to experience an event isn't how you ultimately end up remembering the event? It's okay to reframe. It's expected of you. Holding on so tightly to an opinion of an event and then not allowing other people space to reframe it would be judgmental of you. Would be, a, would be an undesirable way to behave. Understand that everybody's going to preframe differently. What you think they should preframe may not necessarily be what they think they should preframe. All right, so ask more questions. Be more involved in the process at the beginning of the study session or a big project with other students whom you don't know very well. Even if you do know them well, you don't know how they're honestly going to frame this entire event until you start to ask them questions. Get curious. Find out what, how it is they're interpreting what's happening in front of them. They might think it's a blast to research, but they might think it's miserable to, to write the paper. You might love writing the paper, but find it miserable to research. Awesome. You re, then you write and let them research, and then everybody walks away happy. Why try to fit a square peg into a round hole? If there's something that you really enjoy doing, then make that the part of the project that you put your focus on. But don't put so much focus on it that you don't give that other person an opportunity to also learn the skill of writing any more than you only want to know the skill of writing and not know the skill of researching. You're going to want both skills in your life. And at some point, you're not, you're not going to have any team. And you're going to have to do it on your own. Heaven forbid you didn't learn the skill of research and you're a great writer. Because I'll tell you what, that's going to show in your final product. So how can you reframe the way that you experience research? How can you help your study mates reframe the way they experience writing? Everything in life is, a, is in a frame. And there will be opportunities to reframe it. You never know. You never know when they're coming. I mean, really, I mean, okay, not, let me take away never. That's a universal qualifier that doesn't work here. You often won't know a reframe's coming. But when it comes, are you willing to at least be curious about the new frame. Are you at least going to be willing to humor it or be willing to think outside of your previous held beliefs in order to entertain the idea that this new frame is actually more desirable, more beneficial to you? Ultimately, your brain wants to keep you alive. Liberty and the pursuit of happiness do not matter to your 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 unconscious mind that wants to keep your heart pumping and wants to keep you disease-free. It's all about keeping you alive. It's all of the other stuff that's going on, you know, keeping you alive, like, you know, not eating poisonous berries and making sure you breathe. That's part of the brain's responsibility. 
But that conscious unconscious connection that wants you to expand, wants you to experience the world, wants you to enjoy things, that wants to laugh more than it wants to cry, that wants to um, you know, experience the positive more so than the negative, it wants to stay away from fear and pain and step more into uh, love and happiness, that exists too. How you choose to experience all of your frames, all of your experiences, all of your circumstances, that, that becomes the frames on your wall. And when you look at that frame and you look at that memory from your 5-year, 10-year, 15, 20-year-old self, how do you experience that picture of you then in the now? Notice how much your thoughts around that picture of you on your 5th year birthday. Notice how different that has changed since you were a kid versus a teenager versus a 20 or a 30-something. That's you reframing it. But how you're seeing it now wasn't how you experienced it then. And be loving towards the version of yourself then and how you experienced it because you had to become that person then in order to become this person now. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to understand that your brain preframes, reframes, and frames all the time. And now when you start to change your mind, now when you look back on a picture in your mind or a picture on the wall or a picture in your phone, and you're like, wow, I used to see this picture one way, but now I see it a different way. It doesn't make the way you saw it then wrong. It just means that the way you're experiencing it now means that you've, you've evolved, you've grown, you've learned new things. How you're experiencing it now doesn't make back then wrong. And the way you thought about it then doesn't make what you're thinking now wrong. It just shows you that there's growth. You went to college for growth. You, we're all going to grow and evolve and learn throughout our entire lives. Now you understand that it's just a normal part of this evolution of yourself, of your beingness. Be ready to embrace it. Be empathetic towards the new you as you experience new things. Because that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And on the other side of this framing and of this pre and reframing is another pre-reframe waiting for you. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Life is about learning. You can choose to see it positively or you can choose to see it negatively. But either way, time is going to move forward. And I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd much rather have my life moving forward full of laughter than dreading the next undesirable result. As always, my friend, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. I am building a membership site that talks in depth about all of this stuff. You think I talked a lot about frames here? Wait till you see me write it out in a very succinct format so you can actually take it and you can learn it, you can apply it, you can evaluate it, and you can reapply. These are just three. There are over 10, 15, 20 more frames that I talk about. Only a little taste here. I attempt to give you a lot of ideas about material so that you can put yourself into the story. I know that it works because I've gotten enough emails from you, but if you want to be more involved, there's a way. Go at Jesse Mogul. Hit me up, DM me, let me know. I will be launching my membership site March 1st. I can't wait to have you there. Again, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. That's all about framing too. That entire statement is about framing. Yeah, be good guys. Bye-bye.